Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Dave. I'm Carrie. And thanks for joining us. Today, we are really excited to share this conversation with you because we are going to welcome back Dale Fredrickson to the Sandbox. So good to reconnect with Dale. We were, last time when we saw him, I think we had a tropical drink with an umbrella and a bendy straw on a beach in California somewhere. <laughs> you should have been there, Carrie. Yeah, that would have been great. If I have a, ever have a time machine, that's where I'll end up. <laughs> It was fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was great. It was just a just a great environment, and we had a had a great conversation about about Dale and his work. And uh, for today's episode, we chatted with him instead remotely to Colorado. Yeah, we, we talked with him at his home in Colorado, and uh, just had an excellent uh, talk about his new work. Yeah. Yeah, it was really great to meet him and get to know him. I learned that Dale is a teacher and a poet. He's the author of multiple books and albums. Most recently, "Blessed Is the Man." And Blesses the Man is a story of how men can grow their capacity for mutual love and become open-hearted, emotionally expressive, and relationally connected. Through poetry and the sounds of banjos, mandolins, saxophones, violins, and guitars, Dale seeks to inspire men and women alike to let love shape their lives and write their stories. For more about Dale and his work, be sure to check out dalefrederickson.com, and you can also listen to Blessed is the Man and his other works on iTunes. But for now, welcome to episode 95, Your Song to the World. Welcome to the Sandbox. Well, we'd like to welcome Dale Fredrickson back into the Sandbox. Uh, we are with him. He is remote from Denver as we are in the global headquarters of Sandbox here in Rochester, Minnesota. Welcome, Dale Fredrickson. Uh, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Carrie. Looking forward to having a great conversation with you all. Yeah, thank um, you for taking the time. Yeah. Oh, Gosh, this is my joy. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, does this does this afford you more time to do writing? Yeah, okay. that's kind of the big. Um, I mean, uh, really, I needed a break. Yeah, if that makes sense. Oh, um, yeah. uh, from church, and that feels like sad to say because, like, I love church. Yeah, but I was really, and at the the church I was at, like, I was everything. So. HR director, mm -hmm. finance director, like yep. everything. And it was like not healthy for my, um, and the two things that were really weird is we had two preschools on campus <laughs> and they were separated and both committed to being non-Christian. And that posed like so many like strains on me. Like yeah. I was their CEO. Right. And, um, and I kind of thought throwing my relational energy into it, I could like mend things, but turns out like, if you've got like 50 year history, like <laughs> no amount of love and relationships are going to turn like, oh, this is what you're about here. Right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. What, what, what's what's the saying? Uh, um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> right, right. That's a good one. I never heard that. That's good. Not, not much. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was so anyway, so then I just felt lucky. I just knew like deep in my soul, I needed like a reset. I yeah. needed like um, some fallow ground and this has been much better for me. Uh, and, and then like kind of trying to own um, what I really do. Mm -hmm. And if churches want that, that's super great. But I cannot, I, I can no longer be something I'm not, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, um, it does. So say a little bit more about that though. Cause I think yeah. that's, that's something that I think about quite a bit as a musician. Um, and I think there's yeah. like, right. There's like some of these creative elements, especially there's, there's places where maybe that's more true, but I think we all experience that in some ways. So just say more about that. I think you're right. So, I mean, the, to like say it the way I've been thinking about it, like every job has a shit sandwich. That's just <laughs> what it means to work. Yeah. <laughs> but, there are, <laughs> but there are certain elements that aren't a fertile soil for who you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and so for the cre for a creative, especially, um, you've got to find the, that like healthy balance of that tension mm -hmm. or you will constantly feel that friction and tension of not being able to create. And when you're not creating, you know that there's a, you know, there's a pain in you that um, is not going to go away easily. You yeah. know, so there's yeah. some cultures that don't want. I mean, creativity in the church is really hard. <laughs> 
to be creative. And I mean like in all elements, right? Like um, from being creative in a sermon week after week and the expectations of people to Mm -hmm. poetry, to music, to setting, to making that stage look something nice. Like it's really hard because we have that weekly grind Mm -hmm. and then people's expectations are super hard you know Mm -hmm. and you're like i just poured my heart into this thing (laughs) 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 so i don't know if that i don't know if that helps you that there just has to be a the soil has to be right for who Mm -hmm. you are or or um i think you start to slowly die and i think there's these moments where we have to ask ourselves some Uh, are we, you know, where we have to have moral courage and say, it's time for me to find a soil Mm -hmm. that can more, um, help me bear the fruit that I know I'm supposed to be about. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, Um, absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit more about your journey with that. Like, I mean, last time we talked to you, right. (laughs) It's, it's, it's not the same, right. You've been, you've been up to some different stuff. So what's, what's this all about? What's going on? What are you finding? Oh, so now I'm a really poor teacher. Um, I, <laughs> um, I mean, I I just don't, my calling of like creating words doesn't fit well with like all the administrative responsibilities of leading a church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've got to, I have to find help. And um, I feel like at least in the main line where I was, like they're like, their expectation of lead pastors, like CEO of all things. Mm-hmm. And I cannot, I can't hold that. And I, and you know, like I really love, like, I really love my staff. I really love people. But so I just kind of came to this end of like, I don't. And of course, some of these models too, in my setting, they're like so ancient, like, you know, this like yearly giving. Um, I have, I have no young friends that care anything about that type of planning their year out in that traditional way. We come for the first fruits and hand our pledge card forward. And so I was always bucking, like we could do this so much better, you know, Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. in terms of online, any sense of creativity was not really accepted at that church. So, but the point of what you're saying was just for me, it was just like a awareness of I've got to write, I've got to be where I could be most grounded and connected to people. So what that meant is like a tremendously huge pay cut and like a reworking of like our family structure. And it was hard and, and it's been like re- humbling, but like really beautiful, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you. So that's kind of what it's looked like for me is just naming the why of who I am, getting clear on like the life theme. You know, here's what you do. Here's what's important to you, and then like that that like ancient weird thing of having faith and trusting that that you are you do have worth. And the church is a weird gig, right? We have special skill sets that no one else in the world. I mean, it's it's quite strange what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of all the skill sets that are involved in it. And so I think it's so he- healthy for us to talk about you do have skills that translate to the world and you do you can do other things with your life and Perfect. and we're in a really weird moment in culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like I've had this happen to me like four times where I'm out in the community and, um, people ask what I do and it's hard. It's like, I'm like have to, well, I'm a teacher and I have to like, I've never had, it's been 20 years of working in a church since Mm -hmm. I've been 17, you know? So like I, um, so then I've had people say, thank you so much for being a teacher. And I could tell you in in Western in Colorado or in Denver, I've never one time had to, had someone say thank you for being a pastor. Right? <laughs> 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 you know? Like as if what we do doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. And that's um, a cultural moment that's weird. Um, so yeah, you know, as if we're sort of like uh, a nice thing, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that a community should have a church on the corner, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Instead of essential yeah. for human affections and souls and community relationships. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you're obviously like maybe what's it, certainly it, it's a strange, you know, it's a strange moment and, and t- at least strange in, in terms of it's different from what it used to be, maybe in some sense. But it seems like you found a way a little bit of through your your poetry and through your writing um, of getting around that you know like it's it's like this this poetry thing is something that people can can have a grasp of like oh yeah po- poetry is is one of those things that's helpful for my for my soul and it helps me think about my life and reflect and whatever so like it's almost like you found a way into some of that stuff that you know the best of church could be but in a way that people can maybe relate to or understand in a different way uh, and i well, just think I that's think super that's, cool 
Thank you. That um, I take that like, thank you. That's really kind, kind words. Um, I've had like a lot of pain in the church, which is ironic because I, I love church. Like I love the idea. I love, um, but I like trying to be creative in church. I feel like has been one of the hardest things mm-hmm. to, to, to like keep that creative edge, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and maybe that's just being human and every job has that kind of, um, create on demand type of attitude, you know, but, um, or unvaluing of like, no, this is something beautiful we mm-hmm. should think about. But, um, my mother-in-law is like a very wonderful human being. And, um, she at like one of the heights of pains, she was like listening to me and she's like, you know, super sweet, like love Jesus to the grave type amazing <laughs> woman, you know? And they always like have that way of like surprising you with such wise comments and, she was listening to me like talk about this pain and what I couldn't express. And she said, um, she wrote me this note after listening to me about Dale. I just want to know, um, as a, if you're a singer songwriter, everything stripped away, like what is your one song to the world? Mm. If it's just your guitar and, and your vocal, like, and that's kind of when she asked me that Mm. it was really opening for me of like what I do with these poems, you know, like, and the church should get back to that. You know, I, I'm so amazed. Like we're going to churches now, which is super weird. <laughs> and we, we, we really do enjoy this one church, but like, you know, it's a different, I'm just like, there's so much I don't care about anymore. I'm like, would you please, please go unplugged for me? Would you please speak off the script? Would you please just get to that core heart message mm-hmm. that I need, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've tried to do with these poems of like, what is that core heart message that you have to say to people? Cause I think that's what humanity wants and needs mm-hmm. is the, and the, where the story of God is so alive with a crucified God who is, you know, a, like it's so beautiful and visceral, right? Tangible flesh and blood coming into human history. This is not like a platonic God. This is like a heartbeat, passionate, I'm with you and for you and, in that blood, sweat, and tears of it all, you know, up, up from the, up from the ground. Right. Anyway, that's what I think. If I think about that art, the best art and what I truly want to do is like cut to that core of like, be that singer songwriter, you know? Well, should we get into the blessed as man? Yeah. Yeah. You know, tell us about this book, this album, where did the idea come from? Yeah. So if you remember late September, 2018, there was a Senate Judiciary Committee review on the then judge who had become the Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. Now you have to like know about me. I I do not watch much news. I don't typically. Um, I just am so interested in other things that that this is not my like normal. But this sort of case that was publicly televised where Christine Blasey Ford accused Judge Kavanaugh of assaulting her when they were in college. It was like, um, it captivated me and like, uh, I was like, what is this about? But it didn't captivate me in like a positive way. Uh, they were, the judiciary committee was trying to decide if Kavanaugh was fit to be a Supreme court justice Mm -hmm. is kind of the background. And when I watched it, I was like gutted by it. And I was gutted because, uh, when I heard Kavanaugh's defense and for me, um, what I saw in his body language, Mm -hmm. And what I've experienced through like so many men throughout my life was that he was right, he was angry, and he was inconvenienced by this conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because um, it was such a contrast to Dr. Christine Blasey's testimony, who I thought came across like very courageous, mm-hmm. very actually, um, it took a lot, uh, very vulnerable for her to do this. So I kept thinking about this contrast and, um, but mainly when I heard in Kavanaugh, that anger, that entitlement, that inability to listen deeply, it sent this like shiver down my spine. And, and funny thing is, it's not about Kavanaugh at all. It's because his behavior is not one of a kind, but it tells a bigger story about the destructive norms of masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help thinking that Kavanaugh, he's, he's just a bigger part of this like systematic North American problem mm. of men in our culture. And this is like super evidenced by what followed, right? Which just uh, kind of gutted me even more of the Me Too movement. And I found myself like... Um, reading my Facebook scrolls of like, wow, 
wow. And like, there's a part of me that was in disbelief, but there's a part of me that was like, just what I had seen on that trial was just coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, uh, and like men that I had loved and respected. And that really has nothing to do with it, turns out. Turns out that there's something in our social fabric that is deeply destructive in men's and women's life. So then that's followed by the church too. And if I, if you didn't think the me too was bad to hear people like us who are fighting for like a vision of, um, communities being whole and healed and living in Shalom. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you see this like church leader after church leader who had done the worst. So this shiver in my spine is kind of where, um, my best writing, or at least where I want to always be when I write. And so, um, I started writing about this and for me, it's, it's probably like a curse, but I was like, I am Kavanaugh. Like, uh, just like the reality of it is, is that I am Kavanaugh and I needed to write out of those places and try to be as honest as I can, hoping that like out of the particular, something universal would come for all of us. And this like always, it it, like either helps or backfires on me because there's some (laughs) people that like, they're like the sweet people who don't quite get it are like, we're so sorry, Dale, you know? And I'm just like, wait, 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 but wait, you missed it. Cause you are me and I am you and like, and I'm writing so that we can connect more. Cause it, it can be really inauthentic to be like, that Kavanaugh, he's my enemy, he's an idiot, you know, where it's like, wait, 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 the deeper move is to realize those shivers are not only from men you've experienced, but, but you are, you live in that air, that type of anger. And I feel it, don't you? As, as a man, you feel it like, you know, you're not supposed to apologize. You're not supposed to show signs of weakness. You're not supposed to uh, actually consider and be humble to someone else. You're like trained that way mm-hmm. in this culture. So I had hoped that this project would speak to that. Um, and I had hoped that uh, it would speak to men and women, even though I tied it up, blesses the man, that we would like with this album attempt to live in better, more flourishing ways. At least it would be a conversation. So speaking of um, it being with for both men and women, um, you include a powerful reading from the feminist and activist and writer and scholar, Bell Hooks. The quote is, anytime a single male dares to transgress patriarchal boundaries in order to love, the lives of women, men, and children are fundamentally changed for the better. So I'm just wondering if you can say more about this. Why did you include this particular quote? Why did you include Bell Hooks in this project? And what inspired you about it? Yeah, so um, I... I wanted the album, if you call an album uh, Blesses the Man and then you you want to talk about toxic masculinity, I want it to begin and have in the middle and the end the voice of a woman. Mm-hmm. And so I picked Dominique Christina, who's like the best poet in Denver. Mm. Yeah. She um, just inspires me to no end. So she was like so kind. But in the middle is that quote by Bell Hooks. And I just love the quote. I love it because I, it feels empowering and it feels like, There are very few quotes um, in this polarized moment in history that seem to like pull us all together and help us to realize the interconnections we all have to one another because we cannot be healthy males without the, the help of women and without the help of women and children and women and children cannot thrive and be all the people they're going to be without healthy men. Mm-hmm. And so I just love that picture she gave of community flourishing of like every time a man says, I'm going to love, I'm going to humble myself, communities, neighborhoods, kids, families are better. It felt like um, it called men that we need to learn to love, but it also felt like it showed our inter implications of us all living in an interconnected um, shalom together. Mm -hmm. So, and it also was like not easy. So I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What, like what kind of responses have you gotten from this? I mean, it's just interesting to me before I had had a chance to actually listen to it. I looked at the title and, and there was a part of me that's like, you know, I, I assumed you were doing something, but there's a part of me that's like in this in this time in our culture where, um, you know, really men are uh, being called to task in, in ways that we ought to be. Right. I mean, we, we have to think about uh, our, our cultural realities and we have to think about the things that we've been conditioned to uh, believe and to do and, and rethink them um, to say something like blessed is the man feels like. <laughs> there's there's something intriguing to it but it also feels like you're poking at something yeah so um thank you so much for this question because 
when I told my wife and then my like deep um, friend and graphic designer of the whole project, Catherine Nash, um, that I was going to call it this, they were both really upset with me. <laughs> and we had to like have like an unpacking conversation. Uh-huh. Um, and their sense was like, Dale, the man has been blessed enough. And I... Yeah, I just I have to admit, like when we were getting prepped for the interview, and um, we were talking about, like, yeah, his name is Dale, and he has a new album called "Blessed Is the Man," and I was like, oh, like, <laughs> why? <laughs> That's so funny. That's so. Uh, I love that you're honest. Um, and but I had done enough projects where I had been safe, mm-hmm. so like the titling of everything else I did was safe, and I really wanted to press that idea. And really inspired by the bell hooks and the bell hooks quote of like, well, what would it be to like turn that around? So what I'm not saying is blessed is the angry man, the arrogant man and the entitled man, Mm -hmm. but blessed is a new kind of man, Mm -hmm. uh, the man who is humble and kind and learning to love. Mm -hmm. And I really love the idea of like letting that be a, um, uh, a controversial type of blessing, you know, that like men need love and that we need to be invited and challenged to love. And I liked it with Psalm one because mm-hmm. it's um, Dave. I like, I know, you know, but a lot of people don't know that Psalm one is a wisdom Psalm. And so to the whole like book of Psalms, it's like ancient hymn book. They begin with a wisdom Psalm. That's like this reminder. If you're going to enter these, this book of poems, these book of songs, you have to change. There's a different path here. Mm-hmm. There's a, a growing in delight and affection that needs to happen for you to be able to experience the depth of Yahweh and what is going on with the people of God. So blessed is the man um, who takes this journey seriously and has the courage to look at the shadow sides and choose to love again and again mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. what I wanted to say. And then, of course, the album artwork. So then I knew um, that the album artwork had to be like straight up female Dale, you know? <laughs> so that's why we were like intentional with like flowers and feminized like um curves and that was like um kath nash my designer she was like all just beautifully on top of that Mm -hmm. of like what it could mean Mm -hmm. um so that people like wouldn't pick it up and have an expectation you know that they're getting Mm -hmm. like bad blesses the man (laughs) (laughs) so tell us a little bit more about um about kind of what you see you know i mean i think this is something that a lot of people are talking about in terms of kind of the role of 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 men and the ideas of masculinity and and what toxic masculinity has looked like in our culture but like tell us more about what you're seeing in terms of the ways that uh you might invite everyone but men in particular to reflect on you know, what's, what's gotten us to this point, how we move forward, how we become more of those kind of loving whole people. Yeah, that's a a really wonderful question. And one of my biggest learnings was bell hooks really like I had that moment with Kavanaugh where I was like, this is something is wrong. Something is wrong in our culture. Something is wrong in me. And so reading bell hooks and I read particularly, I read her, um, she's been my primary teacher in this, the will to change men, masculinity and love. And one of the biggest learnings for me was there's this paradox in masculinity in the 21st century that men are actually longing to give and receive love, but find themselves unable to do so. And so the questions became for me is we, we, we're living like this tragic masculine experience. And so for so long, we've defined masculinity very narrowly. And now we're sort of reaping the consequences of what that is. And I kind of named it at the beginning, but uh, we have we have taught men that stuffing and concealing their emotions, every emotion except anger, which I find really ironic, <laughs> is not permissible for a man. Um, We've taught men that their worth is in what they provide. So what they produce, what they provide with their hands. And then we've taught them that true power comes from like hiding their, hiding their true feelings, their, their appearances is sort of, uh, you know, we, we, we would say like, uh, we have all these cliches around it too, which is fascinating. Like stiffen that upper lip, Mm -hmm. right. Um, Man up. Right. Which is like the worst phrase ever. Right. (laughs) And so what I kind of, came around was these three these three things like we need to learn as men to become more open-hearted 
and we've, we've got to like relearn how to share emotions with one another. Mm-hmm. We have to learn to the expressiveness of what that means. So the biggest example for this with me is like one day I came in from like a really hard phone call with stuff at the church and my wife, as we were like learning this together, she saw that I was like on the verge of tears and like the kids were right there and it was like dinner time. And I like, I, I started to cry and then I like, like wiped it away. Like I'm taught to do. And she was like, stop it. She's like, you just let it out, let it go. And mm. she came behind me and like put her, uh, my wife has this like Yoda stuff every once in a while. <laughs> she put her hands, she like put her hands on my back and I like, I literally wept at the dinner table and my kids mm. like, and she's like, I want them to see this. I want them to understand that this is okay. Mm-hmm. And this is the, like, this is what it means. This mm-hmm. is normal. What well, it's not normal to like conceal um, so, and then that last breaking, breaking open, um, that emotional expressivity and the relational connection, mm-hmm. right? Like there's something so weird about every, and I will name, I'll name this here harshly because it's been painful, but every boomer that I've ever worked for in the church, they don't really have good relationships with other men. So these boomer men, pastors, like very few of them had deeply, connected friendships Mm. and i think and even like um that peer group of like my father-in-law like i'm like where are your friends you know (laughs) like and so there's something to name about not to point fun at them but to name like why where did you taught that friendship weren't a part of it whereas i look at women in our culture they're phenomenal at friendships right and i don't i think that's been trained I don't think it's normal to, to, um, we're, we're social and we're, we're communal in our very being. Right. Um, so, so those were kind of the three things of like, and if I had to say it one way, it's, um, the emotional capacity of men has been deeply short circuited in our culture. Mm-hmm. And what we have, what I think we have to do. And I think bell hooks is saying this is, is we have to break that open and grow the emotional capacity of men and the very thing they really want uh, is the very thing they've they've been told they can't or they shouldn't have or this isn't masculinity and so when they try to be vulnerable then there's this like shame cycle they get in if they try to be vulnerable then it's like oh oh no 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 I can't do that and then we're like stuck again that's what I mean by the tragedy of like over and over again instead of like all that would open up from them breaking themselves open and being okay that mm-hmm. um, there is pain and deep hurt and deep brokenness inside of them. The, the, the thing that comes over and over to me is that paradox of men um, who are longing to love and be loved, but are unable to like the, the skill set, the like capacity is not there. Mm. Um, the habit is not there. Mm-hmm. So um, that's been strange, a very, very strange um, mm-hmm. to, to see over and over again um, with this project. So, yeah. So the book, the book is, uh, when I look, you know, when I listen to your words, when I listen to the album, when I listen to what you're saying now, what you're talking about is also very countercultural, and that's what you're talking about. But at a certain point, somebody taught you that. Somebody was a mentor for you with this. Somebody kind of came beside you and said, hey, uh, not this, that, um, and, and painted a different way of being a man, uh, and a different way of expressing yourself. So I'm wondering who are those mentors, who are those examples for you who have come alongside of you to help n- nurture this uh, new way of understanding uh, masculinity? I guess that's why the bell hook's important to me. I think my wife has mm-hmm. been huge in like, um, bell hooks has been huge. Um, that's, a, that's probably a deep pain for me of like, I, I can't say there's a lot of them, you know, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a man that a really good friend of mine named Tom Airy, who has done a lot of good work, um, and modeled good, that good work to me. Um, but there's very few yeah. that, that's, um, I mean, I definitely re- read the p- page of the gospel and I see, uh, again and again, Jesus, a God of love who is exhibiting these type of mm-hmm. emotional capacity to hear. But um, that's a question that 
let's make more of those. Help me. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, because I know, I know that you're a dad and, um, you have a, you have a girl and a boy and one on the way. Do I understand? Yeah. Yeah. One on the way. All right. Congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. But I'm, I'm, I'm a dad of, uh, two girls. And so a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, as a dad of daughters or as a dad of sons, it's, it, it, it's on some level, it's as a dad of human beings. <laughs> you know, because because um, we need to, uh, as as men, be uh, very conscious of the messages that we're sending uh, for both the men, uh, the boys and the girls that that we are uh, uh, living alongside of, right? And um, right, and how right. are we doing this? So, how are you? Like, I I look at uh, what was the um, beautiful boy? Was that that? Ha- it's a track. It's a track on your album that had to be written to your son. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I was like conceiving of the track, like kind of like how I work is I feel the shiver and then I have a big theme that I'm working on and then I'm like feeling and thinking my way into it. That's just kind of how I work. And I just because of the nature of like, I don't have, I don't have unlimited amount of creation time. Mm-hmm. So I pick these themes and then I say, okay, uh, what needs to be on that? What do I want to like wrestle with? And even if I get at it very particular and very weirdly angled, and you know, if you're gonna write a, a book, a book of an album called "Blesses the Man," you ought to have a poem about your son and you and your son's relationship. You know, it felt like because there's a big question in the air. In fact, every time I perform these poems, a man comes up to me and says, "I just don't know what to like tell my son or how how to live." with my son in this era, you know, and I mean, it's like very real. Um, and I'm, and I was, you know, so I knew I wanted to write it. It was the hardest poem to write on the album. Mm. It was the poem that I started before any of them. And I didn't finish till like 20 minutes before in the studio. (laughs) So, and my wife is like, if you, if you know how this like works, you spend a ton of money. I spent a ton of money to do studio time this Mm -hmm. time. And what I wanted to do is create a more live environment because before I had kind of done the cool makeshift of like record these vocals here and here and here and then mash them together. And that's really neat. But performing at like coffee houses and these open mics, like when I can perform with a banjo player, with a guitarist, there's like a real synergy of the words and music. So I was like, okay, I will, I'm just going all in. I'm going to get this studio time. We're going to practice so much before that it's very like an organic so that the album feels organic in your ears. But like this poem gave me tremendous hard times. Like I have like a notebook filled with what I wanted to say and what I hope to say. <laughs> and then like, and you know, my wife is like super practical. So she, she saw like, you're, you're not done and you're going to go in the studio. And I'm like, don't worry, it'll come. And I'm like, you know, like, like, <laughs> like and I'm like, the, you know, ridiculous, like, uh, don't worry, I'll change it in the studio if I have to, you know, but then I had to throw away all that stuff and I had to just like write these words and finally this poem came and I'm re- I really am pleased with it and um I really what I what I had wanted to say in an era where like gender norms are changing to my son is that um, I wanted him to help help him along the path a little bit and the it's it's really strange but for me the Eucharist became like one of the most helpful images mm. for our masculinity and femininity. You know, this, um, this body broken, this blood poured out, this giving and receiving this, this like total self love for another, like seemed to be like what would be really amazing if males and females could get a hold of in our culture, you know, <laughs> in a non-dominant mutual love type of way, you know, mm-hmm. if we could truly recapture um, how this breaks down everything. And the way I was really thinking about it was it's really, it's really like astounding, right? How body broken and blood poured out, like Christ's body now becomes a female body, a masculine body, a, a a body in the southern hemisphere, a body, uh, bodies all over the world become this this like image. It's like um, it's hard to talk about this. Like it, in order to build up the whole community as a whole, the body becomes different, different gendered. It's like I mean, it's hard to say. Like, and in some contexts, this would come off so terrible. But like, 
it's like regendering what human bodies can mean. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was so beautiful to talk about, um, like one of the lines I'm like, be a Eucharist with wings, you know, be someone who's from their very soul and their very core lifts others up by their way of being, you know? And, um, and what I did not hear in some of those toxic male voices is like, a sense of humility, a sense of otherness first, a sense of service um, that is really truly built in like a deep, deep ear for the world, you know? So um, that's kind of, I think, I think that's what you're looking for. But, and then, and then like being a, 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 giving them permission to write their own story and to think about it beyond the cliches of what they've been handed um, was, was important. So I don't know what y'all think about that, but please, you got real quiet there. Well, (laughs) well, I was just, you know, I was listening to that and it's, there's the line uh, that I really kind of latched onto in the, and it's towards the beginning of the, uh, of the piece where it says masculinity is not a bumper sticker of cliches, but an epic poem that you must write and rewrite. And so I'm hearing this new idea of what it is and this uh, recreation uh, of, of coming together in a new way. And it just, it was such a powerful line for me uh, as the, as the listener, but as you, as the artist, where, is that what you were getting at? Um, Absolutely. I, I absolutely, it has felt to me like, what we've told boys is such a small cage for them. Mm-hmm. L- like, I think it's very small to tell boys that their worth is what they produce. I think it's, gosh, how terrible that the only emotion they can ever really share with the world is anger. You know, that, I mean, it, it's felt like the, what we've talked about, like femininity has much more creative options in our world, doesn't it? than masculinity and I feel really sad for for boys and for young trying to navigate being a man in this world where it's like you know is Kavanaugh my is Rocky Balboa my my only model you know and thankfully there's like some better better modeling that's going on there but that was exactly what I was getting at is that I don't have a sense we're gonna solve this but I do have a sense we've really put boys in a box in a cage and we need to allow them and allow us as a culture to reimagine again um, you know more of an epic poem than a bumper sticker mm-hmm. that what it means to be male and masculine in this culture yeah. so yeah. yeah that's exactly what I meant by yeah. that yeah this was released several months ago now. Right. Have right. you been surprised by people's reactions to it? Have Have there been uh, responses to your work that uh, that you wouldn't have seen coming? I mean, because once you once you give it away, you you never know what's going to come back at you. Right. I was pretty shocked. Um, I've been really encouraged by the responses, like that paradox that I kind of told you about. Um, but every time I perform the set of poems, I get receptive questions. I get confessions from Mm. people. I get this heartfelt desire for men to grow and to change. And, and it's been pretty moving, like almost overwhelmingly moving Mm. in that way of people afterwards, like men afterwards wanted to talk, which is not typical of a poet. Like usually the women are like wonderful, like wonderful dialogue partners with me, Mm. but these are men who've like felt inspired and they want to move this forward. And so that's been really cool. Um, I also like have got like a lot of compliments of like, whoa, we didn't think like you were going to go that hard and that dark and that shadow side. And I was like, I don't think I really did. But (laughs) uh, to to some males and I guess, I mean, art is hard, you know. Um, And I guess like I, I opened up for this like really wonderful artist who does painting and really wonderful. uh, He's really like a, he does comedy and painting and it's like, it's, it's amazing what he's able to do. But I opened and it was the first time I had the sense of like how, like, so that the, what I felt, the poems are beautiful, but they also have like a swell underneath them of like, reflective pensiveness right mm-hmm. so like i opened for this guy who then starts with like a, a 10 minute comedy stick and it was pretty jarring <laughs> you know like <laughs> so i was surprised about myself of like yeah i'm not a real funny man <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like i'm way too serious you know like and so and just like being able to own that you know like there are just some spaces because some of the other stuff i've done with like um electronic music it fits in bigger 
bigger ha- bigger mm. music spaces. But um, I was really happy t- the responses in these small little venues of people like um, a lot of a lot of emails to me of like I need more of this type of poetry in my life, which really surprised me, you know. Mm. Um, and so I bet yeah, I've been felt really encouraged, uh, and I also. I one of the things that meant a lot to me was the track the blesses the man track itself because I gave this like blessing to males and I wanted them to feel in that blessing like that there was a way beyond where they had been and so I wrote you know blesses the man who fails and stumbles who learns love is without end who is strong and humble who feels and finds himself again please plant them near the river please plant them near the river as the ancient poem foretold, please plant them near the river and may peace within them grow. And so I felt, uh, I've gotten a lot of responses about that blessing, like settling well with people on a journey mm-hmm. of kind of what you were talking about with Beautiful Boy, of this sense of like, we don't know fully where we're going, but we do know we need to grow. And we do know that love is somehow this like true north to where we want to head as a culture mm-hmm. and as men. Um, so yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of how it's been. Um, well, it's just, it's been an interesting conversation because I, I have never grown up as a man um, or been a man in the society. So, <laughs> um, so true, I don't have true. that experience to share. Um, yeah. But I guess I, I was curious about um, the way that you in the album kind of work vulnerability and masculinity together, um, which I feel is often vulnerability often seems like a female thing, if I can mm. claim that. Um and I'm just curious how it how it felt um, to put those two concepts together, um, and what the reaction has been to it. And also, how how did it feel to release this, to write and release this work to the world, and kind of take a step into this is a new definition of masculinity. Um, like, let's talk about it. How did it feel to do that? I didn't intend to write. In fact, I loved. I love this question because I I was sitting in the studio after we had recorded everything and we're just like, you know, recording extra, adding some layers to stuff with some musicians I brought in and I was hearing the playbacks and I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, like vulnerability. I I use that word so much and it's not a, it's kind of a hard word on the tongue. Um, It's a big word and I try to avoid that just for the sake of like, musicality of words but Mm -hmm. it was such an important word that I couldn't say in other ways that I was surprised myself at how much it made it onto the album Mm. and um, I think I'm very influenced by Brene Brown Mm. and her like her thesis to me that like when people are truly vulnerable is when true connections can happen Mm -hmm. is really important and so I think Oftentimes what I'm doing is feeling my way into thinking. And so then I get to like reflect back on it with you. And I'm like, I I truly think one of the things I'm saying is that the future of masculinity has to go through vulnerability Mm -hmm. um, in order for us to grow into something more and in order for us to connect with each other in deeply meaningful ways. So I'm like actually quite happy with setting vulnerability next to masculinity, knowing that there will be people who just detest that and don't think that. Uh, but knowing for me what I've seen and what I've experienced, this is the true way to a real deep sense of masculinity. You, we've got to talk honestly about these destructive norms because um, it's not okay to keep hurting women. It's not okay to keep hurting children, you know? And so if it means that I have to speak a word of vulnerability of like lowering yourself, of being quiet with your voice, of humbling yourself first, then I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of that anymore. Cause I, I think that is one of the real learnings I had. Um, and then your second point, I think that my job as a poet is about healing. Mm -hmm. And so um, there will always be resistance to that. There will always be people who don't like that. It's very, very hard to make a money doing this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but like um, 
I have been put with this life breath on the earth and like, I want, I, I am happy with the 10 people that want to journey with me or with the five <laughs> plus my mom, you know, <laughs> Be, because I think that that's the job of one of the jobs of an artist mm. and may, maybe a distinctively Christian artist is to point the way to healing. Mm. And so I want to, I truly desire to be that that let these words be that agent in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. So it felt, it did like, so it did feel vulnerable. I didn't feel like I was not myself though. Cause I've been asking these questions. I felt like I had gotten better from my other projects at like clarifying it of putting together an album that had a whole, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that it, it didn't feel like, and I had been like m modeling, like trying to talk about these things with my wife and family for a long time. So um, yeah, I felt good. I was, I was just going to ask, is there anything else that you, uh, that you want us to know? Anything else that you think we should be thinking about, uh, whether it's related to the oh. album or poetry or just something else that's on your mind? Oh man. Um, well, Dave, you'd asked like, you'd asked a good question about, um, writing and creating as a person of Christian faith. Yeah. And that's like a question I don't ever get. And I was like, that was really neat. And you said, how does your faith influence your writing? Mm -hmm. And um, I really appreciated that because uh, we live in such a like interesting moment, you know, where for me, um, I like exist. I really exist outside of the church and um, in these open mics and in these coffee shops and with the mm -hmm. singer songwriters. And so this is like a really important question for me. And um, what I kind of was thinking in response to you that it's always like my deepest hope that my words help others experience the beauty of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I kind of mean by that is like, there's just so much like ugliness associated with Christianity that I hope through like new and fresh images, songs and paintings and poems that you can like paint a little bit better of an image yeah. in people's mind. I mean, it is so weird. The cultural baggage that Christianity holds and yeah. in, in light of like what a beautiful story that um, we do have. So I, I was thinking about how this story of Jesus and these like weird and strange and beautiful stories, the Bible have like shaped me and transformed me. But um, there's a need for us as artists to like open up this window into an aesthetics, a beauty mm -hmm. of them to mm -hmm. go beyond like a dogma, to go beyond um, this sense of like, this is what the story says to like help you to imagine and wonder again, what this could be like. And that you see that on the album with Joseph's questions, you know, like um, I like when I was writing that, I was like getting like the, like the like writer's high of like, yes, he, he asks, he, he never says anything, but asks questions the whole time. Mm -hmm. The whole mm -hmm. poem is him like question, 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 question. This is crazy. This is crazy. And it was like, yeah, because it is, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and, uh, and it felt like so honest and whole to like mm -hmm. perform that in a Christian community on Christmas Eve, you know? Um, and the saxophone doesn't help. It makes it sound a whole lot better, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, and you know what I love about it is, is you're talking about going into Christianity, which has so much baggage, so much hard you know, stuff, such a bad name in, in so many ways. And you're also dealing with masculinity, which yeah. has so much baggage and so, such a bad name and everything. You're going into the... You're going into the things that our culture right now is. I don't even know what to do with anymore because there's so much to it that we don't uh, don't don't have words to describe it. And you're and and you're rewording it. You're you're attempting to to rethink that and give it back to us as a, as a new thing. So that's that's hard work, but that's that's holy work at the same time. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. nice, guys. Thank you. It means yeah. so much that you guys are doing this and taking the time to listen. What a gift you each have given me on a week where you guys are like scrambling and working so hard. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> thank well, you. it's so thank good you. to connect with you finally. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna be I, I'm gonna be sending you some of the stuff that I wrote uh, before the day's out because if I don't do it now, I'm gonna forget again. <laughs> Please do. I would love. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. yeah. And thank you three so much. You yeah. like our wonderful dialogue partner. So I hope this is helpful to you.
My beautiful boy, masculinity is not a bumper sticker of cliches, but an epic poem that you must write and rewrite. And I need to say to you, don't settle for the comfort of easy answers. People will try to box you in and stifle the air you breathe. Life as a caged bird brings anger, resentment, and apathy. Your mom and I want more for you. Caged birds are not free. My beautiful boy, everything worthwhile is uncomfortable. Compassionate integrity requires great effort. And I need to say to you, don't settle for the comfort of easy answers. Some crown anger and condone male violence. Remember, you are storied into a current of history where to feel alive, the muscles of your body must learn when to resist and when to rest. Feel the winds of change and trade your cage for wings and become a flesh and blood Eucharist. My beautiful boy, I won't always be here for you. Your hands, the teeny fingers I have held for 13 years, are slipping from mine. And I need to say to you, with great passion and action, with two measures of tenderness, empower the breath and clay of your body to be a Eucharist with wings. Give and receive, nurture deep connections, break and bless, and live with the questions. Because blessed is the man, blessed is the man, my beautiful boy, who writes his story, who finds his strength through mountains and seas of vulnerable love. At one point, Dale was asked, what is your song to the world? Oh, what a question. What is your song to the world? It's so easy to let stuff get in the way, get distracted, and to derail us as we attempt to pursue and share our song for the world. All kinds of things and people and events take priority, and our song gets put on a shelf. Oftentimes, it is relegated to an afterthought. When Dale was asked that question, he pursued an answer, and it led him deeper into his work, his craft, his art. And from the sounds of it, it is challenging, hard, it has led to difficult choices, but his song is out there. It impacts lives, it brings joy to himself and others. More and more, his song is putting justice, mercy, grace, and love into higher circulation than it ever was before. I am so thankful for Dale's work and his song. And so now I ask you, what is your song to the world? What might it look like to pursue it, explore it, share it? It might be poetry or music or dance. It, it might be cooking or raising kids or gardening or creating budgets and spreadsheets or writing letters or collecting food for those in need or sitting with a lonely neighbor. Or you, you get the picture. How do you live into your authentic, creative, true self? What might it take to do so? What is your song to the world? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. And a special thanks to Dale for taking some time to talk with us. If you liked what you heard, you can also check out episode 25 for our other conversation with him. But remember to stream or download his latest album, Blessed is the Man, on iTunes. And check out his website at dalefredrickson.com. If you want to stay up to date with all things going on in the Sandbox, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. You can also rate and review us on iTunes and join us in the conversation. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it. There's always more room in the Sandbox. Until next time. We'll see ya. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the Sandbox. 